Welcome to the second episode of Tales from No Sleep. I'm your host, Luke Baker. In our first tale, we have a mother that speculates that her husband has cap grass syndrome, and introducing a new narrator to the podcast, Ray Johnson, as she reads Cap Grass Syndrome by Emily Chloe. Hi, um, my name is Emily. Um, I have two beautiful children, Ryan, who is four, and Chloe, who is two. I also have a husband named Daniel, who I fell in love with when we were 18 and married when we were both 24. (laughs) For the longest time, my life was exactly how I pictured it being when I was a little girl, but when I stood at the altar and said my vows, I didn't think that I would have to take the in sickness and in health quote so literally. But I I vowed to stay with Daniel no matter what, and I suppose that's what marriage is all about. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sure this is confusing. I'll start from the beginning. About a year and a half ago, soon after Chloe was born, I noticed that Daniel started to act slightly differently. He didn't look at me the same way he used to. The sparkle in his eye was replaced with a slightly disapproving glare as if he didn't trust me. Like, well, I'd be watching TV and I would see him out of the corner of my eye staring at me for a bit too long. When it first began, I put it down to us having a new baby and him being very protective. I assumed that he wasn't struggling with some sort of uh, postnatal depression. It's not as common in men, but I heard that it could happen. But then the accusing started. I would get home after a long day at the hospital. I'm a nurse. And he would question me as to where I had been, who I had been with, and what I had been doing. Well, this is when things started getting to me. I mean, I went back to work early from my maternity leave to get extra money to look after our children, and this is how he repaid me. Well, he would show up at the hospital throughout the day and watch me through the windows to make sure I was really there. I mean, how pathetic is that? Things got progressively worse after this. Daniel started to get angrier and angrier, and he started saying that he wasn't the children's real father, and... Well, that ripped me apart, because Daniel is the only person that I have ever been with. Ryan looks exactly like him, but... He would sit in Chloe's room for hours on end and study her features until I forced him away from her. But it wasn't until Daniel accused me of not being the children's mother that I realized how serious this was. I thought before that he was accusing me of cheating on him, but now he was saying that the children had been somehow replaced. (laughs) So finally I sat down with Daniel and I told him that I loved him with all of my heart, but I couldn't have him around the children for much longer if he kept up acting in this unstable manner. It was about a week ago that I finally had to take action against my once-loving husband. I had just come downstairs from putting Chloe down for her afternoon nap, to find Daniel gazing into the corner of the room. He was looking at a small camera. I glanced around to find at least three cameras with an eyesight positioned around the room. I attempted to ask him slowly and kindly why there were cameras, but before I could get my words out, he attacked me. He punched me in the stomach and I fell down and he just started screaming at me. You're not my fucking wife. You've replaced our children. Tell me what you did with my family. Just tell me. And so I ran. I, I ran up to Chloe's room and I locked us in and I called the police. Daniel was taken away and sectioned. And two days ago, he was diagnosed with Capgras syndrome. <laughs> the doctor described it as... um 
I have it here. Um, the Capgras delusion, or Capgras syndrome, is a disorder in which a person holds a delusion that a friend, spouse, parent, or other close family member or pet has been replaced by an identical-looking imposter. The Capgras delusion is classified as a delusional misidentification syndrome, a class of delusional beliefs that involves the misidentification of people, places, or objects, usually not in conjunction. It can occur in acute, transient, or chronic forms. Cases in which patients hold the belief that time has been warped or substituted have also been reported. So they're keeping Daniel in the hospital for the moment, but but I have hopes that he'll get better soon. <laughs> we need him. I just hope the cameras were installed after I disposed of his original family. In our second tale, a teenager stumbles upon a list that she made as a kid that makes her rethink her whole childhood. And lists made by five-year-olds shouldn't be this terrifying. By Brianna Nicole, narrated by Ray Johnson. I don't remember much of my childhood. I can only really tell you about things that have happened in my life past the age of seven. I don't even have those small flashes of memories that other people have of their life from when they were like three or four. The first six years of my life aren't a blur, but actually complete darkness. And yesterday I found out why. See, this fall I'll be going into my fourth and final year of college. Next month I'll be studying abroad. So I packed up everything in my off-campus apartment to bring home before fall because I'd be living in a different place when the semester begins. I spent the summer of 2013 in Colorado and the summer of 2014 on campus taking classes. The first half of this summer was spent working office jobs so I could have pocket money for London. So this is actually the first time I've been in my old room back home since I graduated from high school in 2012. Of course, I came home for the holidays, but I usually sleep at my aunt's house because I help her look after her kids. But this time I needed a place to store some things for five weeks while I'm abroad, so my own room seemed the best option. I decided we best to clean out my closet before unpacking the stuff I was going to store. I found the usual stuff. I found old coats, shoes, pictures, boxes, and other articles of clothing too small for me to fit in now or too childish for me to have any interest in. Nothing unusual. So I grabbed everything, put it in trash bags, and took it down to my basement. Yeah, I had not really used my basement for much of anything except for laundry, because I always hated going down there, especially at night. The light switch to turn on the basement light was placed in the middle of the staircase, so you had to go down a few steps before you could actually turn it on, and that always scared the shit out of me. Anyway, I found a space in the back corner where some of my old toys were kept. I figured I'd toss the trash bags in that corner with the other things, you know, like Bratz dolls, a Barbie cruise ship, and a Jeep, and various other dolls with their arms taken off and shoes missing. The normal stuff. But... I took immediate interest in the cruise ship, because I remember when I was about seven or eight I used to fill up the pool with juice instead of water and my father would get mad at me because I'd eventually spill it all on the carpet. The ship was pink and white and I remember having a steering wheel that I painted blue and covered with silver glitter. But it was missing, along with other things. However, it was an old toy and it looked really beat up so I didn't think much of the missing wheel. I opened up the compartment where I kept the Barbie's bathing suits in and instead, I found an old wrinkled note. I opened it, and it turned out to be a list of five things. Number one, 
watch Lion King. Okay. Number two, eat cereal. Number three, give daddy a hug. Number four, kill mommy. Number five, draw Goofy. The only thing more disturbing than number four was the fact that number five was something so mediocre. And the only thing more disturbing than that was the line drawn through each number, checking it off. The only reason I didn't completely lose my mind is because my mother is alive and well. So I threw the note back into the ship, and I went back upstairs to my room and started unpacking things to try to get my mind off the discovery. After a few hours of getting everything together, it was time to organize my documents. My dad took me to our post office and handed me my birth certificate and social security card. He waited in the car while I went to the tall building in downtown Detroit. When I was called up, I handed the woman behind the glass window my information and said my oath before being informed that I would receive my passport within eight days. I thanked her kindly, taking back my documents, and glanced down at my birth certificate, only to become extremely confused. It read, Father, Gary James Wilson, which was correct, and Mother, Elaine Marie Freeman. I'm not crazy. My mother's name is Jillian Scott. Confused and upset by the misinformation on the document, I ran downstairs to my dad's card and showed him the certificate. Dad, why isn't mom's name on my birth certificate? He seemed confused at first too, but understanding soon appeared in his eyes and he said, Honey, you know I met Jillian when you were six. What are you ta- What am I talking about? Jillian is my mother. Why is she not on my birth certificate? Brana, calm down. We met her a year after your mother died, remember? We were at the grocery store on the way back to the car and she- What the hell are you talking about? What do you mean she's not my mom? What happened to my mother? Brianna, <clears throat> she died when you were five. She fell down the stairs of the basement one night. I, I believe she might have tripped over one of your toys you left at the top of the stairs. I told you she had a heart attack when you were younger because I didn't want you to grow up thinking it had been your fault. I, I am so sorry you don't remember. I don't know why you're confused. He and I didn't speak on the ride back home. All I could think about was that damn note. So the second we got home, I went back downstairs to retrieve it from my old cruise ship. I was going to rip it up, throw it away, and never tell my dad that it existed. I walked down those stairs ready to go towards the back corner when I noticed something I hadn't before. A hint of blue behind a broken panel of wood in the wall. I reached up and pulled down the blue painted steering wheel covered with silver glitter. And it was then that everything came rushing back. My favorite toy, my favorite color, covered in beautiful glitter. I just wish it didn't have my mother's blood on it. In our final story, we come upon a 911 operator as he recounts a terrifying 911 call that he had in 911 by Shiv 40. Narrated by Ray Johnson and Luke Baker. I worked at my county sheriff's office as a 911 dispatcher. I worked there for about a year and then enlisted in the U.S. Air Force. 
While working as a 911 dispatcher, many calls come in that are considered traumatic to both police officers and dispatchers. And if considered traumatic enough, those involved would be offered psychiatric guidance and paid time off. But what I'm about to share is one of those experiences I'm thinking I should have taken the offer because it shakes me to this day. Day one, the call. County 911, what's your emergency? I, I stabbed my stepdad with, with scissors. Okay, what's going well, on? He's yelling at my mom, I mean, he has, he's a gun. Are, are, are you in the house? Are, are you safe? No, I, I ran across the street. W what's your address? <laughs> Dispatch 302-310, respond to <laughs> reference to a domestic 1032. 302-310, acknowledged. So my stepdad hit my mom and I stabbed him with scissors and I'm sorry, am I going to get arrested? No, no, but I'm sending some nice police officers to talk to you. <laughs> Dispatch, 302-310, be advised. Complaining is at the neighbor's house across the street, juvenile. Advises he stabbed the male party with scissors. <laughs> Where did you stab your stepdad? 302-310, acknowledge. In the leg, cause, cause he punched me. 302-310, advise on 10:52. Complaining advises he stabbed the male party in leg. 302-310, acknowledge. Don't, don't worry, bud. Everything will be okay. I've never regretted saying anything more than that last statement. Thank you. You're really nice. I, I never, I never called 911 before. <laughs> I'm really scared. Don't be scared. You did the right thing. 302 dispatch myself and 310 or 1023. 302, can you see out the window and see if the police officers are there? Well, I, I see I see their cars, but uh, I, you can go now. No, keep me on the phone, bud. I want to talk to you for a little while. Okay, C can I go? Can I go talk to the police? No, stay inside for me, okay? Okay, I'm, I'm really scared, but I don't want my mom to go to jail. Everything will be okay, bud. I really regret those statements. I wish I could just take them back to this day. Thank you. 302, dispatch, responding additional units. 10-4, 302, dispatch to 304-305, responding to 302 and 310, I switch to a different frequency to monitor non-emergency traffic, and my supervisor takes over the call for the little boy. Okay, buddy, I'm gonna let you talk to the nice lady for a few minutes. Okay, thank you. You're really nice. Okay, hold on. Hi. Hi, this is Mary. How are you doing? The call goes on for a good two hours. Two more units respond after 304 and 305 to include one of the on-call investigators. I didn't hear anything else about the call that night other than my supervisor telling me how well he handled the little boy and that he will be okay. Things will get sorted with him. Day 2. Details. Halfway through my shift, 310 comes into dispatch to hang out and shoot the shit for a few minutes before the calls. I completely forgotten about last night's call with the little boy as we get domestic situations often and being in Georgia most often involving firearms. Crazy call last night, huh? I took you talk I heard you took the call, man. Yeah, he he couldn't have been more than about eight or so, right? Yeah, he was eight. <laughs> Cute kid. He's so sorry for him, you know? 
What ended up happening to him? Dobbins took the call over after you asked for backup. Well, we surrounded the house, and we used our PA to try to get him to come out of the house, but no one would answer. So we asked Dobbins for the house information and attempted to call inside the house, but still there wasn't no answer. So we tried all that for about 20 minutes and then busted the door in. Damn. <laughs> Damn doesn't cover it. Mom was laying on the kitchen floor with a hole in her chest. Dad was sitting on the bed. You guys didn't go out with an arrest last night? <laughs> oh, no. His chin was resting on the barrel of a shotgun. His brains were on the ceiling. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Not the worst I've seen, but damn. That'll stick with me for a while. What about the kid? Nah, we got CPS involved. They tracked down some family he has out of state. He's at a house in county right now, but they'll be here this weekend to get him. Damn. Poor kid. Yeah, but that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, not fair sometimes. Tell me about it. Date 12, 911. County 911, what's your emergency? The line was just static and almost immediately disconnected. It's our policy to call back on 911 hangups, anyways. I call back the number. We're sorry, but your number has been dialed and has been disconnected. Please hang up and try again. Oh, fat fingered it, trying it again. We're sorry, but your number has been dialed. One, one more, just to be sure. We're sorry, but the number... Okay, happens sometimes. On a slow night, we pull up our call records based on different criteria to see how history involving the party in question. I search the number. Dispatch 302, be en route to... 911 hang up, negative contact on callback. Line disconnected. 302, dispatch 104, standby for 1021. County Dispatch, how may I help you? Hey, it's 302. What's up, man? So you know the address from a couple of weeks ago, right? What? Yeah, the one with the Dublin little kid. Oh shit, it didn't even register with me. Yeah, everything was cut when we seized the house, man. Phone, power, whatever. I didn't even know you guys did that. Yeah, I'll go check it out, but the house is boarded up. The neighbor got that taken care of real fast. Okay, uh, let me know when you find out. Yeah, will do. 302, dispatch, 1023. 302? 302, 302 dispatch, everything appears to be 104. Show me 10-8. County dispatch, how may I help you? Hey man, like I said, uh, house is boarded up. No one's in there, dude. Must be a glitch or something to do with the line being cut. Yeah, probably. I'll talk to you later, man. Be careful out there. Day 22. It begins. County 911, what's your emergency? The line is static for about a good 20 seconds, and I disconnect and try to call back. We're sorry, but your number has been dialed. I look up the number. Guess what address? I send 302 to check it out. Nothing. A couple hours later, another dispatch gets a 911 call and literally threw her headset off and screamed, What the fuck? It was static, but shit was loud as fuck. <laughs> well, you'd better turn your volume down. I got a static call earlier. Look up the number. It says it's... What the fuck? I just sent 302 a little while ago. Remember that call with the, with the kid that got stabbed with his stepdad that ended up messy? Yeah. That's that house. Hmm. I'm gonna send 302 out there just to check.
302 and 310 went out. Remove the boards and check the interior of the house. County 911, what's your emergency? The line was static for about a few minutes and then disconnects. I call back. We're sorry. Look up the number. Guess what fucking address? County 911, what's your emergency? Guess what number? I tell my supervisor what's going on. She advises me to look the line up and dispatches two units to the house. She gets one of the other dispatchers to call the phone company to get the information on the line and to advise on the issue. 302 and 304 arrive, check the house, and advise that everything is fine. The phone company meets with them at the house and does some phone magic with the hookups. They tell the officers that we shouldn't hear anything else outside the house. A few days later, the revelation. We have the ability to play back calls. After I left for the night on the back-to-back -back calls, 310 came into dispatch asking for the audio for the calls. From what I'm told, he, st he stuck around all day to hunt down all the audio from that house starting from the day of the initial call, which wasn't even from the house in question. The kid was across the street. I came into work and 310 is on dispatch. Hey, uh, come in here when you get a minute. I clock in and head in. Close the door, man. I think that I'm in trouble at some point, because who calls into your supervisor's office and closes the door if you're not? Well, I have here something that I want you to listen to, but you, d you don't have to. Remember the 911 hangups we keep getting from. Yes, sir. Well, I went back and I pulled up the logs. It was just static. I don't. Yeah, need... you need to listen to these, but I. Well, I can't force you to. I just think you'd like to hear them, but it's, it's up to you, bud. Alright, I'll take a listen. But all I heard was static, boss. Yeah, me, me too. Uh, yeah, at first. I proceeded to listen to the few first calls. Just static, man. Not on the last one. Play it. Is this a joke? Again. Come on, man. I need to get to work. This is a sick joke. It's not funny. Again. I'll, look, I'll, I'll turn it up. Fine. Let's just get this over with. You sure you want this? If there's something to hear, yes. Otherwise, I need to get to work. Listen. I must have turned an unearthly shade of white. The look on his face was a mixture of I told you and can you believe this shit? Play it again. You sure? I can't. I don't understand. I, I can't bring myself to accept it. Is this a joke? No, man. I'll spend all day listening to them all. We don't have any high-tech gadgets to run the sound through to remove the static. We don't have anything to amplify the playback. We can't even tweak and tune the sound to hear the background noise. Our county is pretty well off, but not that well off. This was raw static recorded when I kept the line open the final time when the house called. Very, very faintly. Barely audible above the static. <coughs> I didn't sleep that night. I didn't sleep for a week. I cried. I cried like a little boy. I cried for the woman whose voice was on the line. I cried for the mom lying on the kitchen floor with a hole in her chest. Was it her? I went straight home. I took a couple days off, but I came back to work and pretended 
just like with all the other calls, that it, it never happened. It was never about the calls we received prior, just the call we were about to answer. Blank County 911, what's your emergency? Thanks for listening. Tune in next time for more tales from No Sleep.